0: This is a Podfire Production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. G'day guys and welcome to Awesome Humans COVID-19 edition. During these difficult times, we're trying to bring you the biggest and brightest humans we can offer this amazing planet of ours and today uh, won't disappoint. I'm joined today by Aboriginal artist Libby Harwood. Libby is a both a solo and street artist and a conceptual visual artist. She began her career in 2003 and she began a solo street art under the pseudo Miss Murray Court. Today, Libby, through her personal art practice, has deepened her connection with her Indigenous culture. Her art is all about the relationships and connections with people, with country and with culture. Libby is a proud Indigenous Australian, a descendant of the Ngupi people, from Mulgulpin uh, on Morton Island. She's living in the Gold Coast now, grew up in Brisbane. I'm so excited about today's guest. Welcome, Libby.
1: Hey, I'm doing great, thanks.
0: That's good. And I've been introduced to you through Lee, who does my podcast, Anything I Believe. Yeah. So how do you know the big fella?
1: Uh, we just met a while back, just like run into each other and then um, just started talking when I was actually, I was... Um, out west on a trip for my art and um I just started texting him um we just started texting and talking because I didn't realize that he was a um a video maker and I'm a um conceptual artist and I was out there using video to make a story about water rights
0: yeah
1: we just struck up a friendship over um text message actually
0: Awesome well as as I mentioned before I usually don't know who my guests are going to be so then we can actually hear the whole story and you get my real reactions with this stuff so I'd love to hear your story and the best place we always start is uh, what's your first ever memory how far back can you go? Ah, uh,
1: yeah okay well um, my first memory is pretty special actually because um I remember being in a house that I lived in with my mom and dad and my um, older brother and sister and my little brother who has since passed. And um, I have a memory of him pulling himself up on this tablecloth, and I remember that was like a peewee running around our floor, like you know, one of those birds that have black and white. That oh yeah. Mom had rescued from um, must have fallen out of a tree, and it was learning to fly, and my brother was learning to walk at the same time. So That's How old
0: do you reckon you were? Three. Three.: well,
1: I wasn't just under three, because he passed away at, when I was three. Oh, really.: Yeah.
0: And did you sort of realize at the time what was going on?
1: Um I'm not at the time in the memory. I don't think I realised what was going on when I was three. Yeah. but It's, um,
0: it's funny when you think back though, isn't it, of, of all these memories and what happens in your life and stuff like that. And as you get older, things start making more sense.
1: Yeah, well, I guess I'd never thought about it until now talking to you. But um, it's nice that I do have a memory of him because if I didn't have a memory of him, that would be significant too.
0: Yeah, of course. So how, how much younger was he?
1: Um, he was less than twelve months younger than me.
0: Oh wow! So you were yeah. pretty close.
1: We're close in age, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's 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 really sad when you're so young to lose a uh, a sibling.
1: Yeah. Well, I think when when you're that young, it's not a memory of or a sadness about losing him so much as the connection of the sadness of knowing what it's like for. Your mum to feel that level of grief.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And now, now that you're older and you've got kids of your own, then the sort of the pain that she must have felt is sort of pretty unbearable, isn't it? When you think about it, it's uh, it's very very sad.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I guess um I guess I don't really think about it that much now because you know where so families are so big and so busy but i i think about it in the resilience of my mom and dad i often think you know remember how strong they must have been to keep going through all of that
0: yeah definitely definitely so where were you born
1: i was born in brisbane
0: and you go to school and grow up in brisbane
1: yeah i grew i went to school and grew up in brisbane
0: what school did you go to
1: I went to um Graceful State School. Where's that? That's um so Graceful is a suburb on the I think western side of Brisbane. Okay. Yeah. And um yeah, so I grew up in Brisbane and um my mom grew up in Brisbane, my dad grew up on the Gold Coast. Okay. And in Brisbane? And um, he, on my dad's side, he's, um, he's Indigenous from Strabrook Island. Yeah. So we've always been around the salt water. And um, I'm living back on the Gold Coast now. So that's truly really important being around the salt water for our family.
0: Oh, wow. I, I love Indigenous culture and how that means so much to, uh, to your mob. I, I think it's amazing. And the fact that you're living back here now must be exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, it's really important, especially noticed it during these COVID restrictions, how lucky we are because, you know, some people are only allowed to travel 50K from their home for recreation, but we only have to go a short five-minute walk to the beach.
0: Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Not a bad place to be locked up if you have to be.
1: Yeah, it's given us time, like... um, to just reconnect with the ocean, too, because we can live here, and it's so important to me and my family, the salt water, but still, I cannot get down to the beach, but we've been going down every day, and we've been collecting yuguris, which is like pippies and um someone sent me a photo from Tugan this morning where we were collecting yuguris and there was a baby turtle on the beach, so the oh, turtles, wow, yeah, the turtles are back and They're laying. So, this COVID time is like a a really special time in lots of ways because people aren't disrupting a lot of the natural um, animals and systems as much. It's like Mother
0: Nature's rebirth, rebirthing or cleansing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, it's just got space because humans aren't like you. I don't know. It's interesting because there are a lot of people on the beach, but when was the last time anyone saw a baby turtle on Chugaboo? Oh,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with, with the yuguris uh, or the Pippies, what do you do with them?
1: We cook them up and eat them.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it. I remember when I was a kid, we used to go Pippying and uh, we used to pull them out and actually eat them raw, which I don't think is a very good idea, but they're beautiful. I love them.
1: Yeah, they'll be very chewy.
0: Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We take them home and soak them in salt water for a couple of days so they spit out all the um, sand Yeah, and then um, cook them up, usually make a curry.
0: Oh, pippy curry, you got to love that. <laughs> so when you were at school, was it good, was it bad, was it ugly? What Were you a good kid? Um, Did you enjoy well,
1: it? I'm different from my kids, I was always scared of getting in trouble
0: yeah
1: and my kids don't seem to be very scared of getting <laughs> in trouble so as I've always been a people pleaser. I'm much better now, yeah. but I just sort of try to put my head down and get get good marks, but I've always been an artist, and um I think one thing that I do now better than I did back then is um is I follow my my own dreams and and at school I think I was just always trying to do the right thing, not get in trouble.
0: And would you recommend to your kids to uh, to do the same thing or would you tell them to follow their dreams?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: Thanks very much. That's what I'm here for.
1: (laughs) Uh, um, I would tell them to follow their dreams, but it's a really difficult um, personality to parent.
0: Yeah. I agree, and uh, I've got four of them, so I understand completely.
1: And I find myself contradicting myself a lot because I just want them to do as they're told.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do that a lot, my wife and myself sit back, and then we go, remember what we were like? <laughs> it's like, I'm glad they're not doing that. So that, that's yeah. not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. So when you are at school, was that what you wanted to do? You wanted to be an artist or did you want to be a, uh, an astronaut or what did you want to be?
1: Hmm. Um I think I've always just been an artist. So um that has been where my passion has laid, and I've just followed that because um it's quite an obsessive thing for me to create.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel as though if I don't create then I'm I'm not um happy or yeah, I'm discontent. So I guess I always wanted to be an artist, but it takes a lot of self-belief to be a um, solo practitioner. And I also, um, I, so I worked a lot in community for a long time, which is great too, because I went through a lot as a teenager. I ended up um, going off the rails a bit. Mm-hmm. So when I got myself back together, I had a lot to give.
0: And how would you do that? How did you get yourself back together?
1: Um, well, actually, so I went to a drug and alcohol rehab when I was twenty-one, and I think just that whole process of learning, um, learning about myself, because maybe part of my whole going off the rails was actually about trying to explore who I was Yeah. in a world where maybe I wasn't brought up in the same way. Hopefully I'm bringing my kids up okay, who knows, but I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there with them through it. But, um, yeah, in a way where I wasn't exploring who I was so much, I was just trying to be the right person.
0: And is that because that's the way you were brought up? Like, is that what mum and dad put into your head, if you like?
1: Um, yeah, I think that it's generational. Yeah, I agree. I think it was more important for them that we put our heads down and did well and just towed the line. And also, my dad went through a lot being um, indigenous. So his father hid his culture for many years Mm -hmm. because it wasn't safe to be aboriginal so if you think about denying a massive part of yourself that that just gets handed down yeah for sure so it's it was a way of protecting protecting his son and the way my dad was protecting us but i guess the consequence was um i i guess we bring up, we make decisions based on our times and we have different consequences. And one of those for me was probably that I it was difficult for me to just be myself and follow my own dreams. So I had to work hard on that.
0: And, and that's it's amazing that you got there. I think I, I love the fact when people come out of getting help, no matter what the help is for, then they can actually turn their life around. I, I think everyone has the opportunity, opportunity to do that. And that it's once you actually find out who you are, it makes that a lot easier, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's the key. Is The key is knowing that there's getting... So you get in it with drugs and alcohol, it's like a obsessive behaviour. So you get an obsession about something but if you can have an equally strong obsession about something that's really powerful and giving and fulfilling in your life then hopefully you will make that choice more often
0: yeah that makes sense so when did you first started um sort of going off the rails how young were you
1: um Well. I guess that's a difficult question because I think um I think when I look back, you know, I could answer that question in like, oh, this is when I started using drugs, or you know, this is when this happened, but really that's fairly irrelevant. I just had really um low self-worth most of my life. And then it wasn't until I was about so when I was in high school, I finished high school. I probably just finished year twelve. I got a reasonable um, op, but I still wasn't. Um, I still was probably mucking around a bit in year eleven and twelve, and then I went to university. But I was in and out, in and out. So by the time I was twenty-one, I was ready for rehab.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what did you go to uni for? What did you do at uni?
1: Um, when I started, I looked. I started studying women's studies Okay. and um, I think I started doing anthropology, which is um, quite interesting, but I didn't stay with that for very long and then I went to art college for a bit Yeah. and then I stopped that as well and then I went back to art college later on, probably went back about five or six years later on the Gold Coast.
0: Okay, so was that after rehab? Yeah, and then so you you come out of rehab and then you realize actually I am going to be an artist. That's what I want to do. I want to express myself. What was the first thing you sort of moved into? Was it? Is it? What sort of art do you do?
1: Well, when I came out of uni, I did community art. Um, so I did. I worked with a man called Neil Cameron who did the um, wood. Folk festival fire events. Oh, yeah. And so I did a lot of that, and there was a lot of ritual involved in that. Um, but it, and then I worked in youth for a long time and I studied um, developmental trauma. So I'm really into how the brain reacts in relationship and trauma, and also the chemicals that the body produces through connection. Yeah. Yeah, cuz that's actually what drug or drug and alcohol addiction is trying to find that that chemical response that you you get in your own body through connecting with other people. Wow. Yeah. So I studied that a lot and then it wasn't until probably about 6 years ago um that my life took a really big turn because um I I guess part of who I was, that the continuation of my story of healing was I always gave too much to other people.
0: Yeah, and not enough to yourself.
1: And and that's actually actually a real um, problem. (laughs) So I um, ended up, I went away on an artist camp, an Indigenous artist camp that is held on South Stradbroke Island. Yeah. And um, I've done that now five years in a row and it's just, was just been the most incredible life-changing experience because I um, then really started identifying with my culture through my art. And So
0: explain to me what an artist event on South Stradbroke Island looks like. How long does it go for and what do you do?
1: Okay, so there's a really amazing... Um, arts leader that works for Gold Coast City Council called Jo Dreesons and um, she coordinates this camp annually and what she does is she gets an established Aboriginal artist because we have so many incredible artists, particularly artists that are working in challenging or, like, ways that are um, pushing a lot of boundaries. Yeah. She gets about 12 emerging Indigenous artists and we all head over in boats to South Stradbroke Island for about seven days and we um, live over there and we make art that's led by that mentor and then when we come back we have an art exhibition which is like several months later um, that is at um, Home of the Arts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and then we basically get to have contact with those mentors for you know however long we need to. to, That's awesome, isn't it? What's very significant, too, for um, or significant for me because I'm a single mom, so in that five years of putting and learning how to put energy into myself, probably about Five years ago now, I um, had to separate with my kid's dad. And um, so, having a week away where I don't have my children and I'm.
0: (laughs) It's heaven, isn't it? You can say it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's so important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got to have you time. It's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, your kids, how many kids you got? Two. Two? Boys, girls?
1: Boy 14,
0: girl 9. Oh, so you're coming into great ages now. Yeah. <laughs> At least they're still talking to you.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, we got a puppy recently. It's crazy. It's a Kelpie. Yeah. And because uh, my 14-year-old wasn't talking much, but now he just doesn't stop talking and we talk all day about the Kelpie, how it should be trained, its personality, what we, you know, so that was a pretty good move.
0: Oh, excellent move! Well done. Yeah, it's, it's hard to um, to learn how to talk to. I've got two girls, seventeen and and sixteen, and I got no idea what to talk to them about. But I've got two boys, and I can sort of speak, bloke speak, with them. And it's it's really weird learning all these different things and navigating the uh, childhood these days is really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been working on a project over COVID. Um, I've got a work launching. Really soon, okay. called Um, Deadstream Double Bung, which is about the um over extraction of our waterways, yeah, so overuse of water and selling water as a commodity. And um, as part of that, my, I got to take my son onto country Morton Island, which mm-hmm. we call Morgumpen, and um, he He's been helping me a lot with that, which is nice because culturally he's got a very strong heart and he's very connected. So um, it's nice to have work. You know, we're all locked in together. We're fighting most of the time. (laughs) But I think I'll be producing a work in this time with them involved that in the future we'll be able to look back on and think, wow, that was that time we were all locked in together and we created something.
0: That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be able to come out the back of such a horrible time with something so beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a pretty good story because you're really forced to be together. So, you you know, you just have to, if we can see them come through my artwork, that will be reflecting what we're going through
0: that's that's pretty cool yeah we had the uh the family meeting at the start of this whole thing and said look we're gonna all be stuck inside this house for a long time together we can either fight and argue or we can just sort of be and uh, we try and be as much as we can but we do fight and argue most days like most people
1: yeah we fight every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do you remember the first bit of artwork you did that someone then saw and either purchased or you had on display and you made you proud of yourself
1: well, I actually have a memory of being in year one and doing a picture. and That's when I knew that I was good at art. You know, I just felt, <laughs> I just remember people fussing over this this painting that I'd done and I just remember that feeling of like, oh, cool, I can do this. I like that. But uh, most of, um, well, then I became a graffiti artist. Oh, wow. Yeah
0: like in a good way or were you tagging people and and getting yourself in trouble
1: Well, I was a bit later I was a bit later on. I always wanted to do it. Yeah. I always wanted to like run around crazy. <laughs> but I didn't start um till a bit later. But I I do enjoy all forms of graffiti. I think it's a, a pretty amazing art form. But mostly did legal
0: works and um is it hard because obviously graffiti is with spray cans isn't it yeah and is, is it harder to to uh do art with spray cans than it is with brushes and things
1: um yeah well it's just a different medium to use so it is hard i think the hardest part is you have to let go of well, actually, I was gonna say you have to let go of your ego, but graffiti artists are the most egotistical. <laughs> I know. But um, I had to let go of my ego because um, basically, especially when you start, you everyone's pretty crap at it, and it's always in public. It's not like sitting in your bedroom and perfecting something. You just gotta get out there and paint and just do it.
0: Yeah, just to get rid of that after perfection doesn't have to be perfect.
1: And that was one of the things that attracted me to it. Um, being um, an Indigenous woman in a scene that is like I was a complete minority. It's one of the things that actually bores me with it now. But back then, it was a real challenge because um, I was a minority, and I really had to get get over that and just get out there and do it.
0: Mm-hmm it's interesting because um a number of times during this conversation you've you've mentioned the word minority and the fact that your grandfather had to hide that he was indigenous and all that sort of stuff. and do you think it's changed? Do you think the world's changing for the better in regards to that?
1: Um, um yeah well it's definitely better. It's definitely uh, um, easier to Come from a place of difference, yeah. but I do think that um, it's still it's still difficult for people with difference, and that um, we have to become more aware. And we are, and I'm white and. Indigenous and I often have to undo my whiteness when I'm thinking about stuff because my opinions, my thoughts and everything um, are based on what I've grown up with and what I've grown up around. And if that's not, if that's like a, um, I'm surrounded by a certain way of thinking, I think that that's the way you think.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and how do you deal with your children with that sort of aspect? Do they embrace their Indigenous heritage? To, um, how, how do they deal with it?
1: Um, well, I am very big on learning about my Aboriginal culture and sharing that with them because I think that it's re- culture and identity is really important and we're really lucky to still have connection to our country. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of people, are. the more we um, destroy nature, the more we destroy people's connection with place. So um, because Aboriginal people, as Aboriginal people, our whole basic system is around the natural law. We have a deep respect for the earth. And that gives us a very strong sense of spirit and responsibility for who we are and our relationship with the world. And coming from everything that I experienced growing up in terms of what I was talking about with connection, I couldn't give my children anything more powerful than their culture.
0: Yeah. And do they appreciate that, do you think?
1: Um, Absolutely.
0: That's awesome
1: the more they i mean they just grow up who they are but the more they understand the different ways of seeing yeah they really appreciate it because um it just gives them something something really strong to belong to and a really good purpose to stay focused on um protecting the world and their family and everybody around them. That's beautiful.
0: It's a, it's a really nice way to live, and it's a nice way to bring kids up. And uh, um, hats off to you because I think that's that's uh, that's an amazing thing to teach your children. And whether you're indigenous or not, indigenous or not indigenous, they're just great values to um, teach kids.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to you know be open to including. Every Australian into our cultural understanding because we have the most beautiful country here. And if people don't feel connected, well, put it another way if people feel connected to that, then they have a reason to protect it. And if we have, if we protect our country, we protect our life.
0: So if you could have a conversation right now with, um, the ridiculous politicians that we have about all this stuff about what they should be doing to help this country. What what would you do? What would you tell them?
1: I would. I would tell them that they need to look long term. That yeah. we need to look. We need to think as far in front of us as we can remember into the past. And every action that we take has to have a responsibility for thousands and thousands of years in front of us. So if it's going to be destructive and not serve us for another millennia, then we don't make that decision.
0: That's huge, and, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> That's The government's looked two, three years ahead, don't they? And I agree a million percent with what you're saying in regards to, look, we need to protect the future and mm. there's different ways we can do that and there's probably easy ways we can do that as well, but no one actually thinks that way they think about today.
1: Well, I think the government is, it's easier for the government to think like that than, you know, I think our main problem is the corporate greed and capitalism because the thinking of corporate um the capitalist world is actually not not about the future it's got a very short term way of thinking and the government is actually answerable to that a lot and in the pockets of of corporate rather than you know actually protecting the country
0: No I agree and no, I love I love how passionate you are about it as well because when I first sort of sat down here and started chatting with you, you can see straight away that um, you have got a lot of love and caring. Um, that's sort of the aura that you give, um, and it's not just for humans, but it's also for your country and for the land and all that sort of stuff. And um, I th- I think that's uh, once again an amazing trait to have. So well done.
1: Thanks. Uh, sometimes you can only do a little bit. You know, like it. I. It is hard because. We can't do everything perfect to protect the world, but if we all do a little bit.
0: It can make a big difference. Yeah. And what about your artwork? Is that, is that what your artwork's all about? If I had to ask you in sort of a short sentence, what, what is your artwork? What do you do? What would that be?
1: Okay, so I have two kind of personalities. I have an alter ego. So Ms. Murray Codd is my graffiti art and my design work, which is like more playful and about colour and
0: Ms. Murray Codd, did you say? Ms.
1: Murray Codd. Murray Codd? Yeah,
0: Marie-Cott. Okay, yeah.
1: And then my Libby Howard art is political, so I'm interested in ways of seeing. So I have a whole lot of work called Already Occupied which um, changes the way you see traffic signal cones.
0: Okay. You
1: have to check it out. Yeah.
0: I will do for sure.
1: I'm interested in the art that makes you think and flips you on your head. But I'm also interested in how um, my body fits into the earth and story in amongst that. So I do a lot of. Um, I do a lot of what I call rights on country where I put myself into the picture and I'll use a drone to film myself um, and I make film about um, connection to country.
0: So when you say you're an artist, is that just literally painting or are you talking about, um, as you say, film or or photography? What sort of art do you do?
1: All of that. The The art. Exists in the way I think and express, yeah,
0: cool. what's your favorite form of art then?
1: Well, I don't know, but at the moment, I'm making film film is it but it's not my favorite, but I'm making film, and i I found that really difficult, like I find editing really difficult, and um really hard to push the boundaries for Mm. me because I'm just new but what I've been doing is getting the film and then reprojecting it onto different surfaces and then refilming it and then um, re-editing it so I'm having some really cool breakthroughs with that.
0: Awesome so it's not just standard film it's it's your version of film.
1: Yeah, I mean, artists, art, artists are experimental. Like, we can have an idea and that's all good and hopefully we have really good ideas because as artists um, we think differently. But then the art actually happens when you take it out of your brain and put it into action and then rethink about it and um, and something else is born which you couldn't have thought of yourself.
0: Unless you did that, that already. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: It's a process. And how, it's and quite crazy.
0: How do you um how do you make money off this stuff?
1: Um well I have t shirts for sale at the moment. I've been like I had to turn my email off because they've been popping up because there's a market <laughs> and they're selling um pretty well right now. Um this one I'm wearing one at the moment that says reduce greed. Yeah. And it's um it makes – I'm actually not making money off that because I'm putting that back into um, the fight for Indigenous water rights. Yeah. But um, so I make money through that. I have um, prints of my – photographic prints on handmade paper that are for sale on my website. But most of my money at the moment has been coming um, through galleries that want to show my work. Oh, awesome. And also I ha- I get some government funding at the moment if I apply for it, if they think my ideas are good enough. Yeah. To keep making work.
0: Nice. So the website where people can go, what's that?
1: Um LibbyHoward.art.
0: Uh, so it's L-I-B-B-Y-H-A-R-W-A-R-D dot art.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: Awesome. And so what about, talk talk to me about Ms. murray Where would that come from and why do we have this cheeky little ulterior motive or ulterior personality?
1: Um, so Ms. murray came through, um, I was actually hanging out with a group of men on the gold coast that were graffiti artists and they were writing um writing mr murray i think as their tag And, and i one of my first pieces i did um a ms murray cod and then i just really liked her and she stuck and then I started to v- develop her into um when I became stronger about talking about, about my Aboriginal culture, she started to become the custodian of the fish. And now she's like my alter ego that I go to when I want to be cheeky and not really re- so responsible. She <laughs> yeah, she creates art that doesn't need to. Be anything other than like whatever comes out you know whereas my other work is very critical and political
0: yeah and I reckon you like Miss Murray a lot more <laughs> to me you seem yeah. like that cheeky yeah. side is I uh... love the
1: moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what do the kids think of Miss Murray um does she come out in the house a lot
1: that sometimes they get a bit worried about it. They don't understand it. They don't understand why mum to have an alter ego. But, you know, they also don't understand why mum wants to go out on dates or do any of that stuff either. Oh, mom, they, will,
0: they will one day.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it depends who's going on a date though, I suppose, whether it's Libby or whether it's Miss Murraycott.
1: Yeah, well, we have to think about that. I've been thinking, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go on a date next like little while i think we're gonna have a cyber date first but i'm thinking who to take
0: what's a cyber date
1: i don't know because are we supposed to like be careful about restrictions right now
0: yeah yeah, of course so what do you have like a zoom call
1: yeah or a um facetime, oh, there you go. FaceTime.
0: <laughs> and how is the world of dating is it difficult
1: it's difficult with two kids
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah. It's difficult with tickets during COVID because there's no one to look after them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you can't have dates anyway, can you? Let's face nah. it. Um I don't know. I go in and out of having any time at all for meeting new people, but it's definitely something that um is important for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Connection. That's what it's all about, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and just um having time to I mean, it's it's pretty hit and miss and sometimes you meet some really awesome people but you just don't hit it off, you know.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> so one of the things I like to always ask people when we do a podcast is what's your greatest achievement in life? What would you say yours was? Wow.
1: It's really hard. Um, Why is it so hard? Oh, Because I'm just so not a simple person. Haven't you figured that out yet? <laughs> I think about everything. Um, well, the, what keeps coming to me is kind of sad because deepest respects to the processes of life and different people's journeys, but um, leaving my kids' dad
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then just being able to separate myself, and that's when I started to become an artist and put all the energy into who I could be.
0: Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with that at all. That That's awesome. And the fact that you've become you. And if, if someone makes you a different person, then that's not right. So well done. That's a great achievement. You should be proud of that.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I know I'm being pedantic, but I wouldn't say he made me a different person, but it just needed to happen. And it was a really big achievement. And um, hopefully now, you know, there can be new chapters of life. But yeah.
0: There's always new chapters of life. Who's the person or, the, or people who have had the most influence on your art career?
1: Um, okay, so oh, there's a number of um, women artists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Jo Dreesons, who I mentioned before, who's invested a lot in me since she found me and took me on the Indigenous artist camp. Um, and then my first Indigenous artist camp, the mentor was a brilliant, smart academic and artist called Fiona Foley. And she just like, she said something to me that really shifted me. She really saw the ritual in my work and she directed me to this amazing woman artist who's passed away. She was, she died in the 70s called Anna Mendieta. And, um, I was really influenced by her and then um, two more. Later I met an amazing artist from Brisbane, Indigenous artist called Judy Watson and she's continually investing energy and support in me. She's an incredible senior artist and I have, um, there's actually three. I have an auntie who um, I spend a lot of time talking with and she is incredible and gives me so much critique and understanding and cultural knowledge. And then lastly, I'm actually at her house now, my curator, Dani Zavella, um, she's one of my cura- curators. So I guess the I need to say all those people because I really don't work on my own. I work with all those people really regularly.
0: That's that's awesome. So it's, it's to have people surround you that that obviously um, help you be inspirational is uh, is pretty special, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's it's actually vital.
0: Excellent. Okay, so the way I always love to finish my podcast is with some quick fire questions. Okay. Are, are you ready for my quick fire questions?
1: Okay, I'll be quick.
0: Favorite food.
1: Avocado? Really? Well, that's what came to my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Favorite song?
1: Um, song. Um, Black Smoke by Emily Wamara.
0: Favorite place in the world?
1: Mulgumpen, Morton Island.
0: What's next for Libby Harwood?
1: Finishing this next lot of work and then um, sleeping in.
0: <laughs> Catching up on sleep. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, I've loved hearing your story and I'd love to see some more of your artwork and that's where I'm going to go straight away now and have a little look. Are you, uh, are you on socials and stuff? Can we tell people your social medias?
1: Um, yeah. So just under Libby Howard on Facebook. Yeah, and Libby Howard. Um, Libby underscore Howard underscore Art on um Instagram, and I'm gonna dare and tell you that Ms Murray Codd is also on Instagram.
0: Awesome, that's where I'm going. I'm gonna go and have a look what? at the cheeky. So, <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Um, I've, I've loved hearing your story, and as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks so much, Libby.
1: Thanks
0: so much. Have a so, great day. You too. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.